HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes, we're taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider. Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States. From the science of fermentation. So yeast, it's a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus. To the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider, and I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, November 6, 2019. This is the 233rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the CEO of the James Beard Foundation, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a career changer, if so desired. There is simply nothing wrong with going in another direction and pursuing a new field of work at any time in your life. What we decide to do when we're younger, based on our interests, can feel less exciting or important as we get older. As we change, life changes. So always follow your gut and go after what you want, as it's never too late to have new dreams and make them a reality. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really excited to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is Claire Reichenbach. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the James Beard Foundation, the country's preeminent culinary arts organization. 
In her role as CEO, Claire works with the JBF staff and board of trustees in directing the strategic, programmatic, financial, and management operations of the foundation. Before joining JBF, Claire founded CJJR Consulting, and prior she worked at the BBC in the UK and US as Executive VP of Strategy and Business Development. She has a bachelor's degree from Oxford University and completed the Advanced Management Program from Harvard Business School. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's wonderful to be here. It's really wonderful to have you. I'm, you know, we we met when you you became a part of the James Beer Foundation, and um, now I'm so excited to learn more about your background and and really about everything you're doing. Um, so I love to start out with my guests and find out about a little of their history or where did you grow grow up? What was your childhood like? And was, was food a part of it? Or, I mean, a big part of it, I guess I should say. Yeah, so I'm British. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was born in Oxford, but grew up in um, a very beautiful historical uh, town called Winchester in the south of England. And food was a big part of my upbringing. My mother's a phenomenal cook. And like many households, we all convened in the kitchen around what we had was an Argo, which is British equivalent of a range, essentially. Okay. Um, and that was very much the nexus and focal point for the family. So um, witnessing my mother creating these wonderful um, you know, meals and creations was, was, uh, was a real inspiration as a child. And when you, when you went to school, what, when you were younger, what did you, you, what did you think you wanted to be doing and pursue? It wasn't, it wasn't the, the food industry at the time. No, and I love your tip at the beginning in terms of career pivots. I yeah. Think maybe well, the personification of that. When I was a, a child, yeah. uh, my aspiration was to be a newsreader. So actually, I feel quite happy here with my microphone in front of me. But that was not that was not an ambition I pursued. Um, I was directed uh, more keenly in terms of the kind of the business, the, the business lane uh, and and kicked off of my career as a, as a strategy consultant. And you were you were based in the UK up until when did you move to the US? So I've been in New York now for 11 or 12 years. Okay. Uh, so for, for a good long time, I, I say that I'm British by nature, but New Yorker by nurture. So I, I fully embrace this, uh, this city and, and the US. And in fact, um, when I first moved to, to New York, I lived one block away from the James Beard House. Oh, really? So it was very early in my New York tenure that I was exposed to the Beard Foundation and became a member and a diner very early on. Oh, nice. So, so that's a, a good segue into so when James Beard Foundation uh, a couple years ago decided or there was a new position available did you how did you hear about it uh, what inspired you to apply for this position did someone come find you uh, I was incredibly lucky, Sherry. I was headhunted for this role. Okay. I was part of the headhunter recruitment process. But, um, you know, I've said this many times before, and I continue to say it with, with growing um, animation that this truly is my my dream job. Uh, it brings together so many elements that, that I love, both from the, the, the food and the wine and that whole industry to the sense of mission and purpose, and then working for an organization and a brand that is well known, but that has great headroom for growth. Absolutely. So what was it? 
I mean, I don't know how many people applied or you were up against, but you got this. You became the CEO of James Beard Foundation. Like what? Over hundred applications. Oh, really? Wow. It was, quite, it was a pretty rigorous process. I can I can assure you of that. Yeah. I, I I can only imagine multiple interviews. <laughs> so so when you found out, and I mean, what was the what was the process like of you coming in and and becoming? Because the CEO was also a position like a new structural position, I believe, with the organization. Well, the, my predecessor was a, was president right, of the foundation. It's a CEO. So, yes, yeah. exactly. So still very much leading at the helm. Uh, I think the, the shift was more around, um, I think, around kind of business rigor, potentially. Uh, and, you know, I'm very grateful to the board of trustees for having the imagination and the confidence in me um, as not the, you know, the most obvious candidate, not coming from the food world, but coming from the media industry and coming from a strategy discipline uh, to to kind of take a bet on me coming into this organization. But I think you know, the organization is um, full of incredible talent incredibly talented people. The team there know the industry and the players inside out. So I think they could see the hybrid vigor of bringing someone in from a different industry with a different capability set to work hand in glove with with the team on the ground. Yeah, I could see that. And then, uh, well, there's a few people... And I've had them on You've my had them show. On the show yeah, between Mitchell Davis and, and Isabella. Isabella. Yeah. And they've been with the organization since as long since as I've inception. known the organization. Yeah, yeah so, so how did you go about... I guess getting familiar with with all the different components. Whereas it, I was I was in this thinking like how um, maybe when maybe when a cook joins a new restaurant and they like they trail or they they try out all the different positions. Yeah. You know, you kind of need to get a little taste of it all. Yes. Well, so in my past life, I was a management consultant, and part of that that um, discipline was being thrown into very radically different industries and getting up that learning curve quickly and being able to speak with some conversance um, and depth in, a f- in fairly short order. So it's something that I love. I, I relish a good learning curve, but I was also very cognizant of what I didn't know. This, is, this was a whole brand new landscape for me. And although as a consumer, it's one that um, was dear to my heart from a professional perspective, um, I, have, I had it all to learn and still have so much more to learn. So the initial um, stages, stage of my career um, with the foundation, I was very much in doing a listening tour, um, questioning and, and listening intently to within the team and within the broader community. I also immersed myself in our programs um, and attended as many as I physically could. In fact, I think about a month into joining the foundation, I went on one of our chefs boot camp for policy and change, which we can talk about that was that was profoundly affecting for me. So that deep immersion, asking lots of questions, listening, not making assumptions, trying to broker relationships quickly. Um, that was the path I, I was on. Yeah, I continue to be on. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to talk more about that program? Because I know there are so many, there are so many amazing initiatives with with the foundation, but let's dive into that one. Yes, a little indeed. Bit. So the the chef's boot camp for policy and change is designed for politically motivated or activist minded chefs. It recognizes the great potential that chefs have to be um, change makers in the world, and that the fact that many of them are motivated to to pr- to promote a better food system. So this is a uh, it's a very intimate uh, initiative. We take about ten to fifteen chefs away for three days on a farm. Um, and we do a very pragmatic training around how to be an effective communicator, how to build a campaign, how to be an advocate, how to engage your representative. 
um, coupled with that, we do a deep dive on a subject matter that is animating our chefs, whether that be childhood nutrition, the farm bill, um, the SNAP program, antibiotics and food, food waste, some of these critically important issues that have a policy dimension, uh, we, we train these chefs up in that so that they come away equipped with both the knowledge of that subject matter and be the toolkit to, to drive change towards it. So it's, it's a really important program. Yeah, how are the chefs selected that are um, a part of this? And, and how often is it an annual We event? run them about three times a year. Okay. We've had, we just did our 19th one in September. And we have close to 300 boot camp alum. Uh, we have a wait list, which is twice as long as that. So the, it's, a com- okay. it's really, you know, my team, some of whom you've, you've referenced, mm-hmm. you know, they, we work hand in glove with the chef community. And it's really about understanding who we think would really benefit the most from this, who is really motivated um, to use and harness their voice and influence to drive change uh, and so that's been the filter process yeah and I, every time I hear about these exciting programs I'm like well can the publicist come along with the chef can I come <laughs> we're thinking about is a is a reversion or, or an evolution of it that is designed for journalists oh, wow. um, recognizing yeah. again just the critical importance that the journalistic voice has in the mix in terms of promoting uh, a more equitable and uh, sustainable food system so that's something that that we're we're, we're contemplating Keep contemplating. I'll put up, I'll put back on my my media hat and put, yeah, put me on the, that wait list. <laughs> okay, so let's take a little break and we will come back and we'll talk more with Claire. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Claire Reichenbach. She is the CEO of the James Beard Foundation. So there's so many things to talk about, but as the CEO, what what's like a typical day in the life? I mean, how do you how do you uh, plan? I mean, I'm sure every day is different. You don't maybe come out to Bushwick every day. <laughs> no, this is it's tantalizing being so close to these incredible pizzas and not consuming <laughs> them. But um, that's 
that is the complexion of my job often. Um, so my role as CEO, like you know many others, my principal role is to set the strategic vision for the foundation and then to champion and lead the team to deliver against that. Because of the rich diversity of the foundation's work and the initiatives we do, um, as you say, the, there isn't a typical routine. Um, actually, it's a very stimulating, um, rich diversity of, of work. Um, one thing that does happen almost daily is that we have a new chef and their team cooking at the James Beard house um, where the eponymous James Beard worked and lived. So uh, over 200 nights a year we have a different chef and their team cooking there and, and showcasing um, what they represent. So one of the things I'd like to do each day is, is determine who's, find out who's cooking and if I can have the opportunity to go and say hello to the chef and meet the team. Um, we are a national organisation and we have quite a cadence of our year, starting off with the James Beard Awards, the Oscars of the food world and in May in Chicago each year, that's the kind of the crescendo and then that sets the beat for the rest of the year. We, have a, we then kick off our Taste America programme which is a culinary tour of, of the states we're in over 20 cities throughout the year so that then adds another drumbeat of activity and travel um, and right where we are at the moment next week we have um, our annual fundraiser our gala so there are these milestones throughout the year that determine a degree of the of the cadence but um, it is it's a very rich portfolio of activity absolutely well I'll give you I'll give you a lead on something which maybe you already know Saturday this Saturday of uh, my clients are doing James Beard Foundation Dinner, uh, Spike Jardie and Opie Crooks. Fantastic. It's it's their um, uh, regional spotlight, Maryland Bounty is what it's called. And so I will be there on oh, Saturday wonderful. with them. And I'm excited. I always love when, I, when I'm working with chefs that... that Thank you. It's a really for, yeah. so, for so many. It's a real career milestone, and it's a it's such an intimate experience. It and really to, is, and to be with the chefs and hear their narrative and what it means to them to cook there, um, it never it never fails to um, to move me actually. Yeah, and I'm always amazed with what the magic that comes out of that kitchen. <laughs> it's incredible. I know. I don't know. It rise to the challenge. It is, but somehow the and and just the team. It's like so well executed. It's it's and it's it's just such a special place. So yeah, the house, yeah. in fact, we're introducing a new program, Sherry. You'll you'll be intrigued. So obviously, it's a very historical house, and it's, it's deeply iconic. Uh, we are injecting a bit of uh, technological innovation. We're doing a uh, we're partnering with Aero Banquets, uh, which is a virtual reality seven course dinner tasting, uh, which is this incredible augmented experience, um, and that's kicking off. I believe it's next week. So that's oh, something wow. to look forward to at the James. Beard House too, which is which is certainly um, not our usual fare. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I remember I, I'm trying to guess maybe around two years ago the kitchen cam went in. That was I remember being online and and going to my computer and watching, and you could see the kitchen cam of the chefs in the you know preparing tonight yes. the night's think, meal. It's pretty cool. Having these incredible chefs that yeah. cooking almost every night and hearing their story, I and mean, that's content. And consumers mm-hmm. want to get closer to the chefs they love, and that's that's one means of, of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've also, I've, I've attended and now been covering the James Beard Award since as long as I can remember. And since it's been in Chicago uh, the past few years, I know it's going to continue to be in Chicago. I now have my annual trip. Excellent. (laughs) And um, this last year I was on the red carpet. I did interviews and I I absolutely love being a part of it. I really do. It's so special. So I know next year is coming up. It's your 30th anniversary. Correct. Are there 
Can you tell yes, us? Are there a, certain things in the lineup? Uh, it's it's uh, we're we're creating it as as we speak. Um, we're super excited about next year. Twenty twenty yeah. is going to be a huge year for the awards. 30th anniversary it gives us a wonderful opportunity to shine a spotlight on the on the industry how it has evolved over the last 30 30 years what have been those real inflection points who have been the role models and and change makers within the industry uh, so we can, we're going to be um, adding a new momentum to that so what's happened over the last 30 years and where is the industry going in addition to the gala the main awards we're also looking at having a James Beard house as a pop-up um, for a week in Chicago if not longer which gives a great opportunity for us to be in Chicago longer but a a platform so we can expose more of the breadth of our programming and the the breadth of our philosophy so um, to have panels and content and programming around sustainability around diversity around our our beverage initiatives so um, supplementing complementing what we're doing with the awards exciting oh that's awesome okay so let's go and and uh, play back my questions I had from you for my last guest, because uh, she has two great questions. On episode 232, I had on Penny Stankowitz. She is a pastry chef, cake artist, chef instructor, and the founder of Sugar Couture. So, Claire, here are her two questions for you. Um, the easy question probably for her is what... She's, it's been a year and a half now, give yeah, or take. yeah. Um, at what's she most proud of that she's done in the last year and a half? I, I know a little bit about her background, and I was just also kind of wondering, like, if you want a secondary question, um, because she comes from a business place, but a media business place, and how that kind of could change her her fingerprint on the food world. Thank you, Penny. So <laughs> starting off with the first question in terms of looking back since for the next last kind of almost two years now, actually, one of the things that I'm... Um, I'm, I'm most proud of is our, our new positioning, our refreshed positioning for the foundation. So our mantra now is good food for good. Uh, and this is really about elevating all that we are doing in the impact and mission space. So we've talked about it before in terms of our initiatives around sustainability, food waste reduction, sustainable proteins, and all our initiatives around diversity and inclusion, and really making sure that they are center stage and that they're not ancillary activities that happen as an adjunct to the fine dining. They absolutely interweave everything we do. So we started off with the positioning of reconciling the pleasure and the purpose, bringing together the deliciousness and gastronomy, but with our mission-based work, and that has evolved now to good food for good. And that is acting as a very, um, very galvanizing force for all that we do. And you'll see now that our events really, everything, every time we show up now, we rep, we are, we are true to our mission. So we were just been talking about the dinners at the Beard House. You know, we, we ensure that there is only sustainable seafood cooked at the Beard House. Uh, we practice waste minimization with the chefs that cook there. We compost regularly. We work with food um, recycling, uh, food uh, rethink. So we're really walking the talk now, and I'm, I'm, I'm delighted about that. I love that. I love, it's a great mission. I also noticed on your on your website, and I don't know, is the lo- the logo is a new logo? We had a, a brand redesign yeah. to refresh it. Yeah. I don't know when I noticed it, but I did more recently notice. It. I was like, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we were lucky yeah. enough to partner with, with Pentagram, who helped okay. us. How does refresh it? This is a this is an, a new evolution for the foundation, and we felt it was right to encapsulate that with a new look and feel. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's great branding, and I love the mission. And 
Yeah, there's there. I mean, I guess before we take a break, I'll just ask, like, is there anything, like, you were most surprised of to learn of about, like, joining this culinary world or being, a, I don't know. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's such a privilege. And yeah. as I said, having looked in before and now being really... Uh, you know, within it, I think the, the, the revelation for me was around this chef advocacy, the power of chefs, the influence of chefs, uh, and also the fact that they are, uh, you know, Thomas Keller referred to this, that they, they're nurturers by definition. Mm-hmm. And so many have that in their DNA and are motivated to give back and to drive positive change and to use their personal agency for good. Uh, that has been that's a very motivating um, revelation for me, but also it comes with a responsibility. I think we as a foundation, it is our duty. We are a chef-first organization. We are here as a resource for the community and um, and the role that we have to support them to drive change towards a better food system um, is critical. Well said. Let's take another break here and we will come back and we'll play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Join us to explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, where you'll taste and imbibe to your heart's content and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Join the party. Tickets are available now at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Claire Reichenbach, and it's time for my speed round game. So what this is is I name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. That's that's my trial one. <laughs> chocolate. Chocolate. All right. You're going to be great at the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, There's no, no right, right or wrong. wrong answer, right, except no right, No right or wrong. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out. All of the above. Fabulous. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine, wine, wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Lots of them. Lots of small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Communal. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I will back whatever the restaurateur wants to support. Fabulous. Walk around tasting event or sit down dinners? Each have their place. Um, sit down dinners allow a better exchange. Got it. This might be my toughest one. Chef's night out or the gala after parties? <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive. You have to do both. You do. You do. Um, it's, it's, it's a part of it. Complete. Complete package. Okay, last two. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Although I love Brooklyn. 
You're great at the game. Fast. Speed. You got this. Yeah. And you, and you know what you like. <laughs> this is truth. Okay. So um, for industry news, last week this article came out in Town and Country, and it's entitled, What Top Chefs Really Think of the New York City Foie Gras Ban. The Dallas the delicacy will be pro- prohibited beginning in 2022. And this article was by Sam Dangremond. And there were a couple articles. This was big news that came out last week, how New York City is planning to ban the sale of foie gras. Um, and it's not going to go into effect for a couple of years, but it will affect many, many thousands of restaurants. So uh, what I don't know your take on this or... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, as we said before, Sherry, we, we're a chef-first organization. Mm-hmm. They are our primary stakeholder. And what we've seen in terms of this debate, that if, there have been chefs on both sides. So some chefs who have aligned themselves with the farmers, other chefs who have firmly aligned themselves with those organizations promoting humane treatment of animals. So we are deeply respectful of both positions. Obviously, as a with a, an establishment in New York, we will be observing um, the ban as and when it comes through. Uh, and we will, we will look to see how this debate unfurls nationally but I think we will just be respectful of of our constituencies um, respective positions yeah I I mean I I I think that's great I agree with that I think it's uh, I don't know myself it's like Arianne uh, Dugwin from uh, D'Artagnan mm-hmm. she's I've known her for a very long time she's one of you know the 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 big uh, uh foie gras yeah. suppliers in our city um I was just I mean she's 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 a part of Le Damascofier, which I remember. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of respect for her yeah. and her her work. Um, I also saw she was a who's who for James Beer a long time ago. Like it was, um, but it's I don't know. It's there's you're right. There's both sides, but I feel from what I've read, and I haven't been to their their production facilities, but I see they invite legislators up to see the process and to show them like the work they're doing um, is you know, from their standpoint, it's not inhumane and it's, and, and the integrity they have in their work. And so I don't, I don't know. It's, it's controversial. And I think it's also a lot of people, uh, are going to lose jobs if there's no foie gras, their sales are going to go down, but it's also, you know, there's both sides to it. So it's, it's, um, and who knows also what's going to happen in three years, because I believe, I think it is banned now in California, but there's, there's been reversal of bands. So to be seen. Yeah. To be seen. So we'll have to we'll have to find out, but it was it was a big story and you're right. There's there's different sides to it. There was also saw like Adam Platt just wrote a piece in uh New York magazine and his his article was foie gras may be cruel, it's definitely irrelevant and he was just talking about how it's not as 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 far as top luxury items of of that people enjoy it's uh maybe not as um i don't know significant anymore i guess that was kind of his point but <laughs> i think there you know there are proponents on on both sides of the table with this one yeah absolutely so uh to be continued before we take a break i do have a special announcement i want to make so i have mentioned on the show before that i'm going to be bringing all in the industry to life with a brand new all-day conference and it is for and about our industry, and it's really happening. And so this conference is called Host, Summit, and Social. And Host stands for Hospitality Operations Services and Technology. And so 
this event is going to take place on Monday, January 27th at the William Vale in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Mark your calendars now. And I'm I'm curating this event from uh, the top hospitality and culinary leaders, many the, who have been on my show from past shows. So we're having Drew Nieporant, Rita Jamey, Crystal Mobayeni, Jeff Gornair. They're all confirmed to be a part of this. And it's going to be super exciting. Um, more, more people are being added to the lineup. I'm working on it a lot. Uh, all the details now. So I just wanted to put this announcement out that next Wednesday, November 13th at 10 a.m., our ticket's going to go, go on sale at our website, allintheindustry.com, and we're going to have an early bird pricing, too, going through November 30th. So come celebrate with us, the industry. We're bringing behind-the-scenes talents in hospitality to the, to the forefront in a live format. So I hope you will be there. I'm really excited about it. Okay, one more break, and we're going to come back, and I'll have my solo dining experience and the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. To all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Best Friend. Here's the rundown. The location, 3770 South Los, Ange- Las Vegas Boulevard, excuse me, Las Vegas, at the Park MGM in Las Vegas. The concept, Korean barbecue joint. The chef and owner, Roy Choi. So why did I go? Well, because I was in Las Vegas recently to check out the dining scene, and this new place was high on my list. So my experience. So I had an early reservation. I arrived. I was seated at a two-top in the back dining room. Uh, the front, I realized, was really very good for walk-ins, to, good to know in the perp- in, for the future that you can walk in. You don't necessarily need a reservation. Uh, the setting was and the tone was really fun, and I was immediately I was presented with this menu, which was an old school yellow notebook style menu with photos of Chef Choi when he was younger. It was it was really fun. Um, I had a hard time deciding what to get because a lot of the dishes were meant for sharing. Uh, they actually had a something on the menu that said fifty dollar a person tasting menu, but then I found out you had to be two people to get that. So I was on the a la carte route. So what did I get? I went with the koji rib tacos, kimchi fried rice, and banchan cucumbers. My take? It was fabulous. Really delicious. Really, really flavorful food. And everything went went well together. Uh, the tacos, which with uh, 
uh, Chef Choi is known for were, were delicious. Uh, the fried rice was really ultimate comfort, comfort food, and the cucumbers kind of, you know, made it feel a little bit healthier and kind of toned it down or a little balance, I guess, with their acidity. Um, they also brought out a warm potato roll and butter. So this was like, it is an indulgent meal, the whole experience. So the ambiance, so in the front from the, the lobby casino, you'll see this huge yellow best friend sign. Like you can't miss it. And it leads into this energetic, I'd say it's like designed like a casual liquor store sort of bar area. And it has lots of uh, LA memorabilia and swag that you can get. So it's really fun. And then you pass through this meat locker plastic door into this dimly lit swanky ambiance loud music playing. So it's it's definitely going on the Las Vegas vibe. Perfect for a group dinner with those who like to share. Interesting tidbit, Chef Chef Choi can be credited for the trendy food truck craze when he introduced his Korean Mexican taco truck Koji to Los Angeles about a decade ago. Um, he's collaborated with actor John Favreau on a new cooking show on Netflix, The Chef Show, and the movie Chef was loosely inspired by this whole food truck movement. Movement. Okay, so personal fun fact. After dinner, I went and saw Lady Gaga's Enigma, and her show was playing right across the, the hallway at the casino, and it was fantastic. She's, she's amazing. And just for the record, if you follow along on social media, there was a show recently where she fell off the stage because she brought a fan up, and he picked her up, and... Um, he tripped and that's the show I was at. Uh, so it was, it was a weird moment, kind of scary, but she was fine and the show went on. Okay. So the cost of my meal was $37, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. I'd go back with friends. Website is parkmgm.com. There you go. Lucky you. Lucky me. I think Sherry, you and I have the best jobs in town. (laughs) For our profession, we get to to eat and drink on a very regular basis. Aren't we lucky? I, I, yes, I feel very lucky that, yes, absolutely, because this, um, yeah. And Roy Choi is one of, he's obviously a James Beard semi-finalist, but also, you know, we're big Mm -hmm. fans of his. He's a big proponent of of sustainability. Um, So, yeah, great that you could support him too. Yeah, me too. I have to get him on my show. Next mission. (laughs) So um, I was going to ask you the final question. Before we do, uh, we didn't really touch on... The, the James Beard Foundation's Women's Leadership Programs, which I know is also a big... A big it's a key priority yeah. for Sherry, absolutely. And it is, we, you know, talk about what, one of the things that I've been doing since I joined. The foundation for a long time has been supportive of women in culinary, but it's an area that I have really looked... Uh, to double down on, give more resource and energy to. Um, we we support women throughout their careers, from scholarships to mentorships, all the way through to the, um, the initiatives we have around women uh, leaders and entrepreneurs. And it's that latter area that we're really doubling down on. Um, the thesis being, if we get more women at, in leadership positions and at helming businesses, that's where we can really start to shift the culture of the industry to be more inclusive of women. Um, just last week, we were in San Francisco with this year's Fellows of Our Women in Entrepreneurial Leadership um, week course that we do in partnership with Babson, which is um, a very intense, like a M- mini MBA for women who own businesses that are looking to scale them. And just this time last year, we, we launched a new initiative called Owning It, which is a, a shorter version of that, um, of, the, of the MBA piece um, 
so we can scale that offering to women. It's a it's a day and a half of taking women who are either in own their businesses or are looking to get into that, helping them vision, helping them build uh, their business case, and helping them pitch, and then and then connecting them with local investors. And we've been running that through major cities uh, throughout the country this year, and we're looking to again increase the scale of that next year. So exciting initiatives, um, but really important. Really important, and I just I think in my head like how are you guys doing all of this it's amazing it's a phenomenal team who work incredibly hard and are barely off a plane (laughs) yeah no that's that's awesome okay so for the final question I'm going to ask you to ask a question for my next guest and I am having on Dave Arnold and Nastasia Lopez. They are the hosts of Cooking Issues podcast here on Heritage Radio Network and uh, you can ask them whatever you'd like. So I'm fire. greatly looking forward to, to that version of your show. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Dave is the visionary behind MOFAD, the Museum for, for Food mm-hmm. and Drink. Um, and I know that they have a very exciting exhibit coming up. It's called African slash American. Um, I would really love to hear his views on that in terms of which elements of that exhibit he's most excited about revealing to the public. It's one that we will be attending for sure, but I'd love to hear, hear his inside um, insight on that. Awesome. I will find out. I've I've listened uh, to his show, and he talks faster than anyone on the planet. He talks way faster than me. I'm gonna see if I could speed up how You'll fast have I talk. The content. I know. In the two of them, I think Nastasia sort of she slows it down a little bit. I think you have to, but um, very good. Yeah, compliment. it's gonna be it's right. gonna be a fun show. Fun great. show and great question. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to hear his his perspective. Yeah. Um, me too. Find out. So that's the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to get a slice of pizza now. Yeah. Congratulations on Thank you so much. your entire career and everything, that you, all the work you and your team are doing with the James Beer Foundation. Thank you very much. Indeed. I'm a big fan and I look forward to seeing you in New York and also back in Chicago. Thank you, Sherry. Indeed. <laughs> and enjoy Saturday evening at the Beard House. Thank you. I will. Very much looking forward. So my guest today has been Claire Reichenbach. She is the CEO of the James Beard Foundation. Their website is jamesbeard.org and on social media at Beard Foundation and at Claire Reichenbach. That's on Instagram, I know. Uh, Also, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Website's Bayer Public Relations, Sherry BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com, which, as I announced earlier, that's where our tickets are going to be going on sale for our host summit and social starting next Wednesday, 11.13 at 10 a.m. All of our shows are also archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Jeet, and thanks to Claire again and her team. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.